Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Kia ora and welcome to another Aotearoa Rugby Pod. I'm Ross Carl, joined by James Parsons. And down in Christchurch, we've got Bryn Hall, Chinstrap and all... <laughs> Look at that. When they go away oh. and they go and get their facial hair done, we'll visit Manscaped a little later, but when they get their facial hair done, wow, they come back with some looks. I think, I think I'd opt for the chin strap over the Wolverine look, though. Yeah, I think, yeah. G'day, lads. So it's good to see you. I've missed you. You missed you. How are you doing? Jeez, I've missed you. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm great, mate. I'm great, thanks. Um, minus the, um, the chin strap. But no, yeah, we... Do a little, it's a little tradition when we go overseas and us inside backs had to get the old chin strap. The, uh, the looses were probably the hardest done by. They had to have the old Wolverine kind of mispatch and then a bit of bum fluff at the front and then the outsides traditionally always get away with um, the easiest ones with a goatee. So that's probably the best looking one and the management had big side chops. So that's <laughs> a, bit of, a bit of fun with us going on tour and again, we, we love touring and you know it's those kind of experiences that we've missed. So um, And again, Koji was was very nice and warm. Um, had the old sunglasses on quite a bit, so she's a bit cold down here in Christchurch at the moment. So, could you was really good. And Brisbane as well when we were there. Look at that tan. Yeah, he's got that rig out over in Sydney. Yeah, could you beach? Yeah, he's happy with his no, ten days away. <laughs> had the sunglasses on, that's for sure. So which one of the boys just just got his shirt off and didn't put it back on for a week or two? Did you just say George Bridge, but he didn't travel? Um, I'd probably say oh Severus actually. No, Severis, he, um, he's been working on his body quite a bit with eating well and uh, doing a bit of training. So every chance he had, he had, a, had, his, had, his, uh, had his shoot off and, yeah, looked pretty good, actually. So got a fair few looks as well. So <laughs> Severis looked pretty good. You've earned the right. You can do what you want. <laughs> yeah. Well, we saw that from you this summer. <laughs> Don't bring that back up. <laughs> All over Instagram. Uh, uh. <laughs> I'll take the there you go, boy. boy. There's your chance. There you go. You're, uh. you're looking slim and trim. Looking good, boy. Yeah, battling away. <laughs> doing the work. Um, doing the work. Speaking of doing the work, the Reds did the work on the weekend. They, well, they got a win. For 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, well, they look, they made them pay uh, with the yellow card and then the red card, and they got the points. And, and at 33-3, um, you know, you sort of expected it to sort of run away. And, and actually, to, to their credit, before the yellow card and the red card, they actually were setting a pretty good platform. They were playing at tempo. They had, a, they had dominance at scrum time. Line-out was operating well, and they were playing at quite a good pace, and they, and they were recycling their ball well, and they were looking good mm. um, even before the cards. So I think they really did um, sharpen themselves up after a pretty uh, tough outing. 
um, the week before against the Crusaders. So they looked a, they looked a better outfit. Um, I suppose what will be disappointing th for them is that they get to that 33-3. Uh, we knew the Chiefs uh, were going to come back when it, when it got to 15 v 15 and, and I suppose they were chasing the game so they chanced their arm a bit and, and, a, and a bit came off but let's, let's all be honest at 75 minutes it was 40-22 mm. um, so the, at, at 40-34 it finishes up it, it, if you didn't watch the game you read that and you go oh at 33-3 at half time 40-34 it probably doesn't give the full reflection of the game uh, but at 40-22 75 minutes it, it probably wasn't um, you know, realistic they were going to win, but when Xavier Rowe uh, scored, uh, they definitely had their, their opportunity, uh, but it wasn't to be. But you've got to admire their fight, and they'll talk about the travel. Uh, they spoke about the travel before they went over there, but the, their fight to come back um, and nearly sneak it was, was you know, admirable mm. after, a, after a pretty tough start. Are they catching up, Brent? I mean, you guys played the Reds and put 60 points on them. Um, it's really hard to tell where these Aussie teams sit. They've got a win now, but are the Reds in the ballpark here? Well, I think the fact that they, they did get the win, and I think 55 minutes, we're going to go a little bit more on from that jip. I think the try in the 55th minute when Dan Gunner scored that to put it out 40 to 8 was probably a good a good way when they actually probably sealed the game. And yes, the Chiefs did come back and they um, almost pipped it at the end there. But I think they did really well. You know, the Chiefs scored a try and then Dan Gunu ends up scoring that try to put out the 48, 40 points to eight with about 25 minutes to go. And so I thought, bar the red card from Damo, which we'll obviously talk about the red card issue and uh, Balen Sutherland's tap down. I'm not Balen, yeah, Balen Sutherland's tap down. Um, they played some really good footy. Some really good footy. Um, the tempo that we saw in the Trans-Tasman around, you know, Tay McDermott when he's getting a really good quick ball and you've got James O'Connor and then you've got Rovers in and outside um, James O'Connor. They had some really good face to play shape attack. They put the Chiefs under a, a lot of pressure. Again, there was a lot of, so there were two guys off at that time and they scored three tries in that kind of passenger play. But um, I think you could take a lot of confidence from from where they did come because I think if you've been honest, the Brumbies and the Reds were probably the two teams in the competition that you were thinking that would give New Zealand teams the most um, difficult time. So um, I think for that 55 minutes, they played tremendously well and got the reward with those sin bins. And I think in the probably in the last couple of weeks, they've had a lot of opportunities but haven't probably um, got the points for that. And so... You know, they scored 40-odd points in that 55 minutes. So um, they can take a lot of learnings out of that and their attack. But I think defensively as well, they probably won't have that full performance when you know it doesn't get to the point where Chiefs end up scoring 25-odd points in that um, you know 25-minute last, last stanza. Yeah. And saying that, though, they spent 30 minutes with less men on the field and they tackled at 74%. You know, yeah. I think that's a concern, mm. personally. You know, if, if you're... Tackling at 74%, you're giving the opposition a lot of opportunities to score points. And, and I think we've shown that defence is the key to winning these games. Um, and it's a bit cliche, but you, you have to stop points. Somehow they have to stop points um, if they're going to be a realistic chance of, of pushing on for more wins. And I just, I don't know how that game would have finished up. I mentioned before they did have a solid start and they looked like they had a platform they were a different team but how that game uh, finishes up I don't know had there not been cards mm. um, because they had the numerical advantage and to defensively finish up with 74% tackle accuracy I, I don't know how you can win games with that yeah
Yeah. I think one thing that we've noticed as well um, is that kind of we talk about a lot, Jipper, and the click attack or the, the, the um, off kicks or turnover ball. I think I think still think New Zealand teams are a little bit better in that department at the moment. Um, I think the amount of times if you see New Zealand teams are scoring tries off, you know, turnover ball, quick turnover ball, and it's that first that first or second phase that uh, we're putting teams under a pressure. So um, I find that that's a little bit of a difference with New Zealand teams at the moment. Um, the ability to be able to attack off that turnover ball, even a poor kick from an Australian team, um, putting them under pressure. So um, if they can try and replicate that or you know, defensively try and be a little bit more on after those two, three phases when given over the ball or, or bad kick because New Zealand teams are really punishing um, teams like that due to our you know, normal um, counter-attack ability. So does that make them maybe become a little more conservative with their kicking game and hold on to the ball a little bit more? I don't think so. Um, I, I think they have to be just a little bit... Uh, you don't want to hold on to the ball too much because we spoke about the week before that it gave the Crusaders opportunity when they made an error and Richie scores yeah so it's it's a balance but I think they've just got to play to their strengths and, and get their kicking game accurate and, and you know use Vunivalu more like the crossfield kicking game like yeah. even when it's even when someone's marked up on him he's more than likely going to win that ball yeah. so bring that more and more into the game and then if you bring that more and more to the game they're going to have to bring someone up to market it so that means there's space somewhere else so then they can start kicking long and play that territory-based game. So you're manipulating the opposition through the, your tactics. Do you know what I mean? So you just have to have a little bit of a plan about how you're going to move their chess pieces to suit your game. Um, and I think it's just having a little bit of a structure around that because, man, like I'd be going to that early. I'd be having that as my exit strategy, is, is cross-field kicks for Vunivalu and, and getting upfield um, via that way because it's, it's such a threat. Mm. And he's just so good at it. I mean, I know for us, when Matt yeah. Duffy came over from um, the Storm at Harbour, it was it was a, a play that we went to time and time again um, when he was first over because it was just guaranteed pill. It, it just they they're just so well versed at that that mm. style of the game because they do it um, mm. so much in the NRL. Yeah. Does Vuni Valu put himself in for a chance with the Wallabies? I know he spent some time within their squad when he first came over from League, but does he just walk straight in on the right wing? I just think he's got a point of difference. Um, and I don't know if he walks straight in because, um, you know, he's, he's obviously um, had a few things that haven't gone well off the field that has meant Brad Thorne's disciplined him and held him back in terms of his minutes play. But uh, he'll be in the squad and then it, it's what he does on the training field that will warrant selection. We know Dave Rennie will have high standards and, and you, you won't just walk into a Wallabies jersey, but he, he, he will be there or thereabouts. Um, for sure, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, what I do love about him is that he's an, he's an out-and-out finisher as well. You know, you look at the winners at the Melbourne Storm, um, you know, there's a couple of times we finished top top try scorer in the comp, so he's got that ability to be able to finish one-on-one, and so especially at test level, you know, you have that ability, you don't have a lot of time and space sometimes, and it takes the ability to beat a defender one-on-one through brute strength or, or footwork, and he has both of those. But I think coming back to Jip's point, his aerial game um, is world-class. And, you know, we had the amount of preview time that we spent around Vunivalu, you know, if you're looking at uh, inside the 22-metre zone, you've got an advantage. You know, it's a 50-50 where he's going to score a trial or not, and mm. you've got to be on high alert with that. So, um, and I think the more time that he does spend in playing rugby, he's going to get better. But if you look at probably the, the handful of games that he's had, um, he's been a massive point of difference, especially around aerial game and um, especially in international with how the game is and the line speed and the defences. 
having an aerial uh, attack like that, um, so it can only be beneficial for the for the for the Wallabies moving forward if selected, if he's selected. And if we're talking about cohesion, like we were last week with Ben Darwin, if James O'Connor ends up being the ten, you know, having that ability to connect so well works out fairly well for the Wallabies. I think so, and um, you know, it, it's just I, I don't. It doesn't really matter as long as the kick's accurate. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> without, without being too silly about it, like I think we're, if the kicks are in the vicinity, he he'll he'll grab them. Yeah, um, and I, I think that just shows it there. Um, probably the best team, um, club team going around is in, in the Crusaders, and uh, the respect they've shown by doing the amount of prep work and that during the week to make sure that they've got him handled, mm. and he's only been in our game for however long. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's that's a sign to me that he's he's got the goods. For the next level. So, I mean, we're already coming close to talking test footy. We're talking about how the Aussie teams have only won one out of 15 games here. Vunivalu amongst a bunch of players. Do they have a 23 out of these five teams that are struggling to compete with New Zealand that will be a world-class test team from what we've seen so far? Yeah, I think so. I, I think they've shown that they can compete last year and, and I think they'll be able to get a group together that will, you know, galvanise and, and, and challenge. Um, and I just have belief in their coaching staff. I think I've, I've yeah. stated that. I, I think Dave Rennie is a quality coach um, and he has the ability to bring the best out of people. Uh, and um, I, that's just my personal opinion. That assistant coaching yeah. role is still... Uh, <laughs> Chip still wants that assistant coaching role. Well, I'm happy yeah. here, mate. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think one thing as well, and this, is, this isn't at test level, but you know, the amount of experience that they would have had playing the New Zealand teams in in the Trans-Tasman and I think being able to have an understanding around they're playing the New Zealand style and obviously the All Blacks will play a similar style they'll have little tweaks around what their game plan is but you know playing the New Zealand kind of um, passage of play or um, teams and understanding how we play it can only, even though it's not at test level but they're seeing it at club level and so the transition of being able to from last year not playing New Zealand teams at all in Super Rugby um, they've had that experience and then they'll be able to bring that for the, the for the rugby championship coming forward, which I think will be invaluable. So, in saying that, Bryn, so I'll use your guys' game as an example, and, and probably this is just my frustration a little bit, is that they've had three weeks now um, to watch, and, and and we all know Richie's strength is out the back of that first forward pot off nine. And he, uh, against the Crusaders, Ethan Blackadder ran a great tip line, and he gave that offload that set up Sevu's first try. And we just know he's a threat out the back. And he's shown it in the first two weeks. And then on the weekend against the Waratahs in your exit play, they're still spread wide defensively. And he just waltzes throughout the back of that forward pod out of the 22. And Scott Barrett ends up scoring just after half time. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like the review should be there by now that they know that they have to put a body on Richie out the back of that forwards pod. Yeah, and we yeah. keep saying we keep saying that okay, they you know the, um, the two different styles and that, but it, I, I think three weeks in, mm. for me, it has the penny has to start dropping. Yeah, and that, that these certain things like the Geordie Barrett mm. going in between two players, and if if you're doing that prep during the week, and 
um, and you're watching the Aotearoa rugby pod, and you now know that Richie's <laughs> going out the, the yeah. going out the back. <laughs> I, I don't want to give, but we all know that he does it. And, and even if you know he, I've played him for years, and even when you know he's done it, he made Jared Kelly, Toyota, and myself look silly one year for Harbour. You know it's coming, and he's still good enough to beat you. But at least tighten up defensively so that you've you've got a man on him. Like he just waltzed through. Yeah. Your thoughts, Brent? Yeah. I think we'd be, yeah, you are right. I think it's all in well getting the prep right and having an understanding because I think, look, you'd be able to pick it out and, you know, the Waratahs and the Reds and the Brumbies previously would have been able to pick that out. But I think the difference that we've found probably the last fortnight is that the Australian defence system is a little bit different to what we play in New Zealand. So traditionally, a lot of the New Zealand teams are bringing a lot of line speed in. Look, Richie does it in New Zealand when we play New Zealand teams. But I think the, the slight margin for error in New Zealand is quite small, whereas I think we've found the last couple of weeks that the Australian teams are quite passive in their defensive system, so we're allowed to have more time on the ball. And so, like you said, if you've got more time on the ball, and I think obviously the animation around our our forwards, the three forwards with Richie out the back, you know, they're doing the animation and doing their job really, really well. But with a bit of a passive defence and giving us time to play, um, you're seeing the kind of things that happen on the weekend. Yeah. You know, we were playing into a big wind in that first half and we ended up running out the ball from our, you know, 10, 15 metre line because uh, just through the prep that we'd had, we probably knew that we were going to be able to play a little bit more because of the line speed pressure. So, um, yeah, look, not trying to give a what a secret away, but I think it's just been a little bit of difference around the pressure that's been put on us compared to the new Super Rugby Aotearoa where we found a lot of pressure coming at us. I totally agree with you, but I think in their system is they're getting the, their player to mark the tip runner and potentially go out the back on Richie. Do you know what I mean? And at the moment, that yep. player that's defending the tip runner, like Ethan did against the Reds, is chasing him in. Because they're running great lines, you, you, you yep. your players are running great lines. So, if he can't do the two jobs, you have to put another body in there to do the other job, or yep. they have to be even more passive and buy themselves time to do both jobs. I'm just saying, three weeks in, they've got to make a decision because they can't just keep yep. getting split from a kickoff straight after half time and allow seven points to be scored. You know, it's a killer. It's not the way you want to start. That's just that's that's my take. Is that, is that an individual decision or a team strategy decision? I, I think it's a defensive system. Yeah. To me. Yeah. So why would Bryn you have a passive defensive system against the New Zealand team? What are they thinking? I'm not. I'm not too. Oh, I'm assuming sure it's to allow it, connection, it, is it not, Bryn? You know, it's it's yeah, to make sure that they're to be allowing that Wayne connection. Smith. Yeah. You know, Wayne Smith used to do it back in the day with the Chiefs. Um, you know, this is probably uh, when his tenure was, whenever that was, 2012, 2013. They were real um, connected defense and real passive. And then once you were man on, you know, once you had the same, some, um, the firm, so if you had five attackers in front of you and you had five defenders, then you could bring up and bring line speed. That's the kind of passive defense that um, Wayne Smith used to run. And, you know, the Waratahs were, were pretty similar around that being they'd rather be more connected and try and not break than. Um, you know, go numbers down and then try put line speed and our skills down to pressure. So um, I definitely think it is a, it's a structure because it, just through our prep, we saw that there was the kind of pitches that they were, they were doing. So I think it's real hard at the back end of a season, you know, you've got two or three more games left to be, to change that. Um, so it's kind of in their DNA what they've done through Trans-Tasman, sorry, not um, Super Rugby AU and then coming into Trans-Tasman. So, Trans -Tasman. so uh, whether they want to try and bring line speed for the next couple of games, but again, it takes a long time. It takes a, a couple of, 
couple of months, really, if you think about a jip to change oh, yeah. it and to be comfortable around changing your defense system. So it might be a thing for next year that they might be able to change if they do play New Zealand teams uh, for I, next year as well. And I understand sometimes there'll be fatigue, errors defensively. Mm. But this was just after half time. That's when I was watching. I was just thinking, you know, that's not tired. You know, that, that's just, that to me is just not connect. They're not connected. Mm. So if you're basing mm. your whole system, system on being connected and then you don't yeah. connect, then you're completely stuffed. Yeah, well, I, yeah. as I say, I don't know their system. I'm yeah. just saying they've had three weeks to know that Richie's definitely yeah. going to run yeah. out the back. Yeah, yeah. I'm just using that as an isolated example. Yeah. There's, there's many more. Yeah. But I think, yeah. I think for us as well, um, we, you know, for the whole for the whole year, we you know we had a 846 meters, which was the best carry meters of the year. 16 offloads as well, which was the best for us this whole year. So the ability, if you're talking around defensive systems and how much pressure you give the KBA, keeping the ball alive and getting in behind teams, they're not set. And then for like what we said, if your animation's right around your forwards and your backs are in, um, on the same page, then it's really hard to defend if you've got good line speed, let alone a passive defense. So. I thought our attack structure was really good and we got what we previewed and um, probably the only disappointing thing for us was in the last 20 minutes of the last three games, we've given away a lot of points and that's one thing that we, we want to um, pride ourselves a little bit better because I think in this competition, you could go possibly you know five games, winning five games with all bonus points and it's going to come down to points differential. So, um, you know, the Blues have done a really good job around that. We're the best defending side in the comp, not giving away too many tries. So... Um, you know, for us, it'll be a little bit of a work on uh, moving forward for us. Speaking on that, and and we were speaking about Vunivalu before, and, and and good players for for the Wallabies, Parisi on the weekend, yeah, he was outstanding. Um, you know, he yeah. got that great line break and probably could have given that one, but I haven't seen too many players bump Fayanuku like that as well. Yeah. He's obviously a big, strong man. Um, someone to be, you know, for the Highlanders to be wary of this weekend. Uh, mm. he, he looks like that's the, that's the first time I've really noticed him yeah. as a player yeah. and gone, wow. I, I, I left that game as him as an individual and I just thought, whew, he could be a real yeah. threat at 13 for the Wallabies. Yeah, we did a lot of, um, we did a lot of preview on him because, um, you know, probably isn't known to a lot of the New Zealand public, but yeah, watching his clips throughout the week, you know, he's a pretty destructive ball runner. If you look at Lani, Nani Lamapi and how dis- destructive he is with ball in hand, you know, on the weekend, you know, the likes of Leicester, who probably does that to a lot of people, but he actually got in and around us a, a lot. We had a lot of bodies around him, but his ability to be able to break the first tackle, pump his leg, have good leg drive, and put us in behind, he actually, in that first half, um, put us under a lot of pressure. So we talk about... Oh, Australian players in the competition that I thought have really put their hands up, not only just for that game on the weekend, but from what we've seen uh, previewing him last week. He's one guy from the New South Wales, uh, Waratahs, I think that's really putting his hand up and been a, a pretty good performer, along with Jake Gordon, who is a bit of a talisman for them and uh, yeah. has been pretty good for them as well. This episode of the Aotearoa Rugby Pod is brought to you as ever by Manscaped.com. Get the Lawnmower 3.0 to look after all of your manscaping needs. It's got 90 minutes worth of battery. It's got an LED light to make sure you can see what you're doing. You can even use it in the shower, Jipper. Oh, what a product. What, what, a, what a tool. What a tool. And if you're particularly I'll hairy... Tell you what. Yeah, that LED, that lighting system is just what you need, especially in dark moments. Mm. I think it's just important. Nighttime, you can do it wow. anywhere, 24 7. Did it work no on your face? Sadly, no, as you can see. <laughs> um, it, did, it did actually. I tried to, I did use it um, and used actually the light as well, which is very helpful to try and look and see. But um, 
as you can see, it looks pretty dusty. Not a fan mm. of it. Mrs. isn't a fan of it. So. <laughs> but, the, but the Manscaped cleaned the hair up well enough, and that's all that really matters for this particular part of the show. Oh, it did, mate. Unbelievable. Can't you see, mate? Look at yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. about getting mm. it done, not necessarily the style that people choose. So we've got a Manscaped hairy <laughs> moment. Just there. Yeah. So you use it on your face and... I've got two, mate. I've oh, got two. nice. I've got good. another one. Oh, good, good. I've nice. got two, mate. All right. Sorry, I, I must just get the one, I must one. just get the battler one, and I just send the one. <laughs> Sorry, Ross. it's good hygiene though. Yeah, I mean, I respect yeah, I, that. That's good. I was just checking. Oh, well, I was just checking that there was good hygiene. I bet that's not the case for everybody. I was a bit concerned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we've got the manscape hairy moment. What's your manscape hairy moment? This well, week? I don't know which one Bryn used for this, but I was wondering if you shaved your sprigs with it because it looked a bit slippery uh, for your try on the weekend there, me old mate. Uh, because it, uh, I didn't see too many Waratahs around you and you got tackled and then miraculously reappeared and managed to score it. Oh, you've taken my hairy moment as well. Yeah, oh. it was... Um... I got peppered a little bit as well because I think, um, you know, our forwards do a, a lot of hard work and Jiffy, you know, is at the back of that line. You don't want any back touching it, but I mm. um, saw, saw a massive opening and um, got too excited, saw there was nobody in front of me and I had about a metre to go and almost buggered it up by falling over Sam Whitelock's foot. And, uh, but fortunately enough, getting over. But you had to pay a bit of a fine, actually, for taking yeah. the ball out uh, from our forwards coach, which is probably fair. Good. Good. <laughs> now, and, and just a follow-up question. Um, did the touchy give you some grief? A little bit. Yeah, he did. A little bit. A I little felt bit. He like did. he, he was chipping you a little bit on the TV. I was like, that's not bad from the touchy. <laughs> oh, I, did. He, I saw a little smile on his face and I said, geez, I've almost buggered that up, haven't I? But um, yeah, it was just a wee little, wee little smile with each other. And then again, I um, paid the consequences come after the game, which was, which was very, very fair. Yeah, yeah. A hairy moment if ever was one. Oh, nice. All right. Well, that is the Manscaped dot com hairy moment thank you to the lads and of course if you go to manscape.com use the code rugby you'll get 20 percent off and free shipping on your lawnmower 3.0 what about the all blacks back line uh you know we've spoken a little bit about left wing we're getting a little bit closer now we had a uh, good performance from uh, nareki on the weekend um Rayasi is dangerous with ball in hand although he probably has a couple of mistakes in him that that might worry the all black selectors here and there where are we thinking now? Who is the front runner for this left wing spot? Is it George Bridge? Well, I think George Bridge has to be there. Um, he's the incumbent in with Caleb Clark being away and with, I guess, George's performance is when he was back before his injury. Um, he was playing some really good footy and you know the All Blacks know what they're going to get with George. He's a proven uh, performer. So I think the three guys we have talked about, Leicester has ability to, um, his improvement that he's had from last year and he's back on the wing. He's played a lot of wing and then he's played a lot of centre this year for us. So we've talked about him previously in the pod with him being able to have that double roll around winger and uh, midfielder, which could be massive in a team selection. But the one thing that I do like about Nariki is that he's probably the best left foot kicking option um, in New Zealand in that left wing spot. Even I think he's better than George Bridge and Leicester when it comes to that kicking distribution. And, sorry, kicking. Um, he does a lot with it for the for the Highlanders and gets them out really well in the exit zone. So I think he's uh, that's one of his main differences. And then Ray Arce, if you're talking around a guy that one-on-one -on -one can beat you in, poses a, an X factor and, a, and a, especially the next level, he's one guy that um, can do that. But I think one thing for him that I'd like to see a little bit more is just his work rate off the ball and getting second touches and and not and, and holding on to that ball and really respecting it because um, you know, if he can sort out that, then 
Um, he's one guy that, due to his form with his running and his ability to break break the game open, he's one guy that's um, been bloody well, been playing bloody well for the for the Hurricanes. I I think Ray Arcee's got a great left foot exit game as well. He they, the Hurricanes use him really effectively. Mm. He's got a huge boot, um, so he's got that strength. I agree with your comments around Nareki. He's he's had a pretty good season as well. Um, I'd love to see him get his get the ball more. Um, mm. but, you know, because like that chip and chase um, on Sunday was just you know yeah. he just has those plays in him. Yeah, and he just yeah. you know gets through gaps. You know, he's exciting. Ray Arcee's exciting. Um, I think George Bridge. Uh, I mean, he just has to be there or thereabouts though, just around that incumbent. Uh, and when one guy for me, uh, Lester as well. You know, he's had a great. He's got that versatility as well in and around that squad midfield. But I, I think. You know, potentially that Will Jordan could slip into that right wing position, and and I don't think we can ignore the form of Sever Reese and the work that he's done. And I don't think he'd look out of place on the left. And and bear with me here because it's that power winger spot, and I think he's really powerful. Mm, yeah. But I also think he's got the work rate of that right wing. You know, like he he's got a high work rate. You know, I think. Um, uh, remember when Jackson Garden Bishop got the intercept against you guys, Bryn, and, and he came from the other side of the field and he was on the ground and he chased him down and he he stopped that. That was a crucial crucial moment in the game. Um, so he's got the work rate, he's got the power, and he, and he and he's good under the high ball. You know, he, there's a lot of aspects to his game that actually suits that 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 blindside wing spot. So I think he has to be considered as well with the form that Jordan's in that potentially could fit into that right wing. Obviously, we've got a halfback and a hooker, but. Tell me, you know, we talk about left foot, left wing. Why is that important on the left wing in comparison to the right wing if you were to have a left foot there and, and, and have those those kind of abilities on that particular side? I think, like, for example, the best way that I'd put it, um, defensively as, an, as a nine, if it's like a left-hand side scrum and you've got a 15-metre blind, um, what that does in the backfield with having a left, side, a left winger with a left foot, it just holds you a little bit more. So, um, and look, it's not to say that a right foot uh, winger can't do that, but... You know, for, for a nine or the backfit, if you're a fullback or the, the open side winger, um, it checks you a little bit. And so you've got to be able to come up, hold yourself a little bit more there. And so if I pass the ball, but it goes right towards the first five, but knowing that Nariki or whoever the left footing option is there, it might just hold your fullback a little bit more. Mm. And then, you know, if, for example, if it's Richie or Davey, then they can kick it into that right-hand side corner because you're predominantly thinking that it's a genuine left foot option. Like Nariki's done it for the Hollanders and Rayasi as well. So... That's probably the one example that I'd have. Chip, you'd probably have another example, but that's yeah. as a halfback in backfield, it's pretty hard to defend when you've got a left, an out-and-out left foot kicking winger. Yeah, I, I really like it from the sense of exiting, and it means mm. you can have a lick on attack. Yeah. And if, it, mm. if if they if they bring the winger up and the fullback comes up and there's space in the backfield, they've got the big boot to take advantage of it, and that's what I like. It gives you it gives you the ability to have a look, and still get you out of your exit zone with a kick, and. And if they don't, if they stay back in the backfield, beauty, we'll run, we'll, we'll just take the space, and, and we'll and then we're yeah. and then we're playing footy. So that's that's the the reason I like it. And obviously on the right wing, you've got the right footer, and you can have the same same effect. So that that that's that's the thing I like, and I like how the Canes do that because because yeah. Celeste is great at making um, those decisions. Is gets the ball in hand, he wants to have a run, but he's also smart enough to know, okay, they're up, and I'll kick. And Wes Houston does it well mm. as well on the other side. What percentage of your selection decision does that come into? I actually think Julian's been doing it well as well. The, oh, the yeah. Hurricanes do it well mm. in the exit yeah. zone. Yeah. 
Julian's got a right, right foot. foot. Yeah, yeah. And he plays on the right wing. But he used to play on the left wing yeah. with a right foot. Yeah, so yeah. it's obviously it's not the be all and end all, but it's but it's a good part of your game. Yeah, but I think it's something that Julian's added since right. he's moved to the right foot, right wing. Obviously, in the past, he's you know as we've known him previously, he's he just hasn't probably needed to kick. He's just gone through people. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's the biggest thing is you know for. Um, I think Bryn's example is probably more suited to probably the way the Highlanders use Jonah, would you say? And, and my example is probably the way I see... Um, but uh, I suppose they use Rousey as well, like that off scrums yeah. for the Canes as well. Yeah. Will yeah. we see a few of these guys in this All Blacks B Pacifica series that we've got coming up? Like, is that a, a time to blood players? Potentially. I, I think they'll, they'll potentially reward form, but the way I see it is... They've got to get a, a squad together that gets some runs on the board together that can perform in Bledisloe Cup, Tri-Nations. We know that last year wasn't where we wanted it to be. Yeah, we won the trophies, great. But we also know where the All Black standards are and they want to win every Test match. Um, yeah. So I, I think it'll be a balancing act. I don't think there'll be too many. And, and we know that the All Black coaches and management staff don't give Test caps away, so anyone that gets an opportunity will have earned it mm. um, and so I, I don't think it'll be yeah uh, uh, it'll be pretty experienced outfits going out there um, with a touch of uh, um, rewarded opportunity yeah I mean, a lot of the young guys do reward do deserve an opportunity yeah. I suppose um, but they are going to come up against some teams that look like they could be underpowered very much New Zealand based sides um, for Samoa from what we've seen you know and then we've seen for a long period of time that the French players, uh, the French-based Fijian players, are often not released. So you you do have quite a mismatch there. And yeah, you know, are you are you being too short-sighted to not use this in a development manner? I think, you, well, the way I see it is we've got to look at the year as a whole, and and prepping towards 2023, and, and it's just knuckling down what we need to do for our squad and building towards the rugby championship and utilising these three tests as best we can to make sure our team's ready for a, a South African team that's come off the Lions, yeah. an Aussie team that's come off France, and making sure that we've got a team that can hit the ground running and do the business there. Yeah, and, and maybe last year we saw ourselves being a bit cute, Bryn, where we, we played different teams in different weeks and it, it didn't work out. You know, when we were in the rugby championship last year, we lost some games. You've got a reward the players that have been playing, and I think um, I think there will still be a, a pretty experienced squad around what they'll need because I think Jip's right. You know, we're having a massive test series where we are going to be playing um, South Africa, Argentina, and Australia. And you don't want to be underdone in that sense, but I think they will have a really good balance around um, the experienced group, and then having some younger fellas that drew to, drew to um, performances in Super Rugby Aotearoa and AU, oh, sorry, and um, Trans Tasman, that they will be rewarded. But traditionally, they've been really smart around that. They've um, you know, had an experienced group, but then they've brought in players that have been given an opportunity in the environment. And I agree with you a little bit around that, Ross. I think the difference between the level between you know, Argentina compared to the, uh, the island nations that might not be able to have those players coming in from overseas as much as they'd want, it might be actually a better opportunity for those young fellas coming in to be able to experience that before they go into the rugby championship. Yeah, but we'll wait and see. Yeah. <laughs> Time will tell. And no doubt there'll be, well, there's no talkback callers anymore, but there'll be some people <laughs> absolutely furious that Jersey's given away or, or, or the complete opposite. Uh, the Springboks are playing Georgia in their warm-up. Now, that is an interesting warm-up game that we've never seen the All Blacks play before. 
uh, uh, you're looking at a, a forward pack who by reputation will bring it to you all day long at rucks and malls and in the scrums. Um, but is it the right fit for preparing for a Lions series? Well, I think it's um, giving them the opportunity to um, get, a, get a stern test in the set piece, which they know they'll get against the Lions and they know that it's coming. Um, and, um, you know, come off the back of uh, not a lot of international rugby. But, you know, Rusty has said a lot, the, the team that he's got to pick from have played a lot of rugby. Mm. It's not like they've just been sitting at home like, you know, if you look at the way we came from lockdown into Super Rugby Aotearoa last year, you know, there was no footy, you know, you're coming in off nothing. Whereas they've still, this squad that comes together has still been playing footy, so it's not like they're, they're rusty in that sense. No. It's just about gelling together. So, I, look, I think it will work. It, it doesn't matter. I, I think it's the same as where we're talking about New Zealand and, and their June series. It, it's about making sure it's getting their systems in place, getting um, those embedded and giving them the confidence to be yeah. able to put it out on, on the on the the stage against the Lions, which is, you know, the, the biggest stage. Brett, if you're uh, Rassi Erasmus, you play a conservative, don't you? you? You go back to the tried and true, to the guys who've won you the World Cup. When you haven't played that long, you just go, OK, boys, you know how to do this. Oh, I'm going to place faith in you. Let's go. We've got a short preparation time, but that doesn't matter because we know each other. Well, possibly. That could be a direction that they go. Um, but I think, you know, they'll be pretty similar around, you know, looking at the All Blacks in, that, in, our, in our series that they'll have the tried and true that they'll um, be trusted because I think they have had a little bit of time out not collectively being together, but they have been playing a lot of rugby in Europe and, um, and, and obviously Curry Cup and that kind of stuff that was earlier in the year. But um, they will have a, a couple more players that they might bring in that have been playing really well in that competition. So they'll get the balance right. But, um, you know, I don't think, you know, they might have they might go through that way where it might go through the tried and true and the more experienced group because they've only got a limited preparation time but I think they'll have that balance right very similar to what we will have um, in our series around giving guys opportunities that they might want to see um, but then having most of the experienced guys that they feel will be of massive value when they do play the Lions after those two games against Georgia. Speaking of experienced guys, Roscoe Speckman 32 year old outside back finally making the Springbok squad Yeah, that's a cool story yeah, well, he's been a live wire for a long time, hasn't he? Um, real threat in, in 15s and 7s. And, mm. um, you know, I know in terms of when we played him as the Blues, you know, you had to you know, talk about the preparation around Vunivalu before you, you had to know. And I, I was always defending at the back of the line out. And yeah. I, I know I was, uh, I was on notice. I was making sure <laughs> I was well connected inside and out. Yours. Um, I was also <laughs> stressing when there was a tight head prop at the back of the line. I was like, now, 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 just be aware that this, this guy's a stepper. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just so I didn't look too silly. But yeah, no, look, it's exciting and, and it just shows that if you've got a bit of perseverance and you've got a dream and you stick at it, yeah. you know, it's, it's there for the taking. Five years after that 27-year-old wingers go out to pasture age. Yeah. It's, it's phenomenal. It well, really I just think with sports science and stuff, you'll see more and more of this because... The, the way, you know, I know you, we always go to this example, but Tom Brady is leading the way in terms of older athletes looking after their body and, mm. and redefining um, how long is a professional career these days. And I, I think we'll see more and more rugby players go 
you know, longer and longer um, due to the nature of sports science and understanding their bodies better and how best to prepare to get that um, length of career, um, mm. you know, extended. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and as a back, do you think it's hard to do it as a back or a forward, Bryn? Like, we've seen Jerome, we've seen Brad, Thorne, that is, go long, long way into their careers. Is it harder as a back to go longer into a career than a forward just because of the natural pace and those kind of things? Or do forwards take a bigger brunt of the of the blows and so it's harder to go? I think different positions are, it's, it's different. Like, I think for an outside back, you know, if we look at traditionally the outside backs, you know, they're probably... Um, younger that younger age because their speed's there from you know that, you think about like 21 to kind of 28 zone usually that's the kind of age range for them but then if you look at a prop you know Drippy would probably be able to connect a little bit more on this but as a prop you know the older you do get the more experience you are and it's probably when you come into your come into your peak around the later 20s early 30s you know so and then locks are a little bit different and then but I think it differently it's for different positions and different um, setups it is a little bit different, so. Uh, but I think with the sports science, and hopefully we can actually get TB12 as a handle and tag him in this, and hopefully he's watching the podcast that we can <laughs> um, have an understanding around taking care of your body. Is it is making it a lot easier for um, for athletes to play. You look at Andy Ellis, you know, he's 36, 37, playing in um, playing in America, you know, so due to looking after your body pretty well. He should come on the pod. Well, I think Andy's friends with Tom, so he might be able to let him know <laughs> that we mentioned him. Um, oh, you could you could get in touch as a crusader, um, and Just he might be able to send us some uh, some steaks. He's in the steak business. The steak business. He's in Andy Ellis. <laughs> Andy Ellis is in the steak yeah, business. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, we could get some steaks on here. He could sponsor us with some steaks. <laughs> <laughs> I digress. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Andy, if you're listening, <laughs> um, steaks. Well, he's please. going to be listening because yeah. Bryn's going to put it on, and then Tom's going to be listening. And and yeah, that's yeah. Great. Yeah. What? So, but in answer to your question, question I think yeah. <laughs> traditionally it's easier for forwards yeah. um, to extend their careers because it, uh, you, you almost um, you know, learn um, and uh, how to treat your body, but also um, you get that sort of, I suppose, man strength, as they call it, um, you know, and, and your body becomes more uh, you know, physically ready for the contact, whereas you know, the backs probably need those fast twitch fibres that you have when you're a little bit younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but TB12 could probably um, go, go, go against that and, and teach that and, and extend Bryn's career 10 years. Yeah, yeah, well, we could get him into the split screen. And, uh, I didn't know who TB12, it took TB12, me a while to work, work yeah. that out, and I was like, TB12, uh, TB12, TB12, TB12 yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a program that he runs. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I hear Tom Brady first. Tony Brown, we see Tony Brown in the future. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this is the bit that's going to get edited out. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah, not, I'm not, not too sure, but yeah. um, I'm, I'm thinking so. Yeah, but it was a nice contribution from BH9. BH09. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Richie Moonga, speaking of Tom Brady, speaking of MVP-style guys, last week, uh, I think they came out on the breakdown, they basically said that Richie Moonga is possibly the greatest super rugby player who's ever played. Super rugby player who's ever played. Are they on the money there? Is he having an all-time great season in super rugby this year? Oh, I just think the last three years, four years, he just... His, his form at super rugby level is exceptional like it is there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There you go. Done. That's what I've got for you. That was a yes. I, I don't want to yeah. say yes because <laughs> there's so many other players that have performed um, to a high level. But in terms of consistency, um, his form is just exceptional in, in that red and black jersey and, and that system that he just owns. Mm. And we've talked about it at length. It's now transferring that to the next level will be the true, I suppose, making of Richie and, and that's what he uh, that's what <coughs> the country judges um, yeah. players on, unfortunately. But yeah. if you looked at Super Rugby and, and I don't know what his win ratio is, and 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 I suppose his his ability ability to grab the big moments, mm. but he'd be in the ninety percent. Um, Brendan, no, because Brendan had the same winning ratio, wouldn't he? Well, yeah. Well, I I don't want to bring this up. <laughs> dig at my own team, but he did start at the Blues, so probably not the same winning ratio. <laughs> uh, does that does that no, even count? No, I think you know. There's been there's been a lot of great players. I think Richie's even said it to him, himself. Um, I think he's having that actually that Sky Sports. Um, Richie Mwanga, All Access is actually on tonight at um, nine thirty. So if you want to watch that, viewers, it goes pretty good. Great. Uh, but in that, we got a, <laughs> well, yes, we got a bit of a <laughs> we got a bit of a we actually got a bit of a sneak peek around that and his his, his thoughts around that. And um, he knows that there's actually been a lot of a lot of great players. You know, look at uh, the, the guy previously that wore the number ten jersey, Dan Carter, who you know holds the record for the you know, most points and. Um, you know, did it for a long period of time in, in the Crusaders jersey. So, um, but you know, you've got to put him in that, that conversation with his uh, consistency. And Jip, I think what you said around the big moments and big games, he's done it. He's done it time and time again. And I think when you're having conversations around greatest of all time and you know Super Rugby, it's those kind of big moment games. That's where you kind of separate yourself and you put yourself in that kind of domain. And I think Richie's done that time and time again uh, for the last three, four years with um, within Razor's tenure and. Um, you know, may long that continue for us, but I think he definitely is in the conversation around it. But I think, you know, for him personally, the All Black level is probably the next step that he wants to be judged and be able to put in that, um, you know, put in that kind of atmosphere around um, how he was at Super Rugby level because he's been a great at Super Level, Super Rugby level. But I think he's probably looking forward to hopefully putting that at the next level, at the international level, and so does all of New Zealand, I'm presuming yeah. as well. The grubber kickoff against the Blues when they were behind in, mm. in Christchurch is. I mean that turned the game. Yeah, you know it's those plays. Did you feel the pain? Yeah, oh, it still hurts. Yeah, it, it hurts. It's, it's it's tough. It's also the last game I played, so <laughs> 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 I got knocked out. So look, it's not a great night, obviously. But you would have been there to defend it. 
Oh, let's not go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know why I brought it up. <laughs> Richie said in that All Access, you know, he was talking about following up Dan Carter, the greatest ever first five. And so often you hear players say, oh, look, I don't care about who came before me. I want to be the best me that I can be. Um, we've seen it in Auckland where and the Blues where everyone who's come after Carlos has said the same thing. It was quite cool to hear Richie saying... Well, I, I know who was in front of me, and I had to kind of address that. Oh, behind me, anyway. I, I, I had to address that to become everything I could be. That was quite refreshing for me, Brent. Yeah, it was, and I think it just comes back to the kind of character that, that Rich has, and um, he's got a deep care for this team. You know, he, he's from Christchurch, and so has a pretty good understanding around the history of, of Canterbury Rugby and the Crusaders and who was in front of him. So, and... He was fortunate enough in his probably his first his first year that he got to learn and sit behind you know DC and have an understanding of what it took to be to the at that time what it was to probably be the best first five in the world. So he got the front you know the front row seat to what that looked like. But um, I think he is he's acknowledging. I think he's taking that as a challenge um, and he's embracing that challenge around what that looks like because you know if you look around you know once in a generation generational type play you know Dan Carter's probably it. So you're probably thinking man. It's probably not going to happen again, but I think Richie, um, yep, his uh, acceptance of you know Dan and what he's done for the for the club, but you know it's his it's his it's his time now, and he's um, you know he's trying to do the best foot from put his best foot forward for himself for us as a team moving forward, and those kind of accolades in, in the future if when he's you know when he's done with rugby, you know then you'll be able to have the conversation around it. But um, at the moment, um, he's in pretty rich reign of form at the moment. If my maths is right, I think this is year three basically as him starting at ten if he gets selected at ten this year as the All Blacks' first choice 10. Um, obviously, Bowden was at fullback for, you know, two years there, apart from the odd test match. Mm. How long does he need to spend now? He's had two years to learn it. How long now does we have to give him to, to really consolidate that at international level? I think the challenge is coming now. I think Bodie's made it pretty clear he's coming back to really go for the 10 as well and, and, and the, the idea of the 10-15 axis is gone because of the form of McKenzie... Geordie and and Will, um, and the fact that Bodie just wants to get back to ten, um, so I think this will be the year that will probably bring the best out of Richie because the genuine pressure of um, having to fight for that jersey will be on, and and you know Bryn, you know him best. It seems to bring the best out of him. Yeah, it does, and I think you know he's, we've talked around his success at Super Rugby level, and you know he's um, you know probably been. You know, we have had tens in behind, but probably not to the same caliber. And that's no disrespect to our tens. And you know, they're they're chipping away really nice, and you know, they're um they're great. Um, kind of when given the opportunities, but I think you know having that pressure of Bodie, if he's coming back to have that stakeest claim for being a, a number ten, um, you have that kind of pressure. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Richie goes because um, you know, he hasn't had that at the Crusaders, uh, but you know, he's going to have it at test, test level. So it'll be um interesting. You know, probably you know season for the All Blacks when he is selected around how that um, that pressure goes from. Well, with that said, he has to force Bowden Barrett into a bench spot in the All Blacks. That is no mean feat. If they are to have a fullback who isn't Bowden Barrett, that's an achievement in itself. Yeah, it is. It is, but um, we've had some lean years as well. So it's... it's um, yeah, as I say, if he, he, if he can take charge and run that, that side like he does the Crusaders, um, that'll be the true, true testament to him. 
And I think he knows that. I, I get the feeling he knows that the way Bryn yeah. speaks, the way Bryn speaks about it, he clearly does, and, and he's pretty. He, from me reading between the lines, there he seems pretty motivated to get in there and do yeah. that. Let's touch on Damien McKenzie then. Uh, the red card on the weekend. Yes. Uh, obvious red card from your point of view. Yeah, well, I didn't. I didn't actually see it on the first, when the try was scored because it was such a beautiful line run. Um, I was just like, "Whoa, gee, that's a good line." Um, but then on replay, um, he just—it looked like Damien just got awkward, um, but it was shoulder to head, so yeah. we all know that's what it is. It's, yeah, um, these days it's red. Yeah. Okay, so continue from yeah. there. The second aspect of this is this new rule—the twenty-minute red card rule. Uh, Bryn, did you think that that worked, considering the way that the game panned out? Yeah, I think I think it did. I think you know the Reds got the reward out of that. You know they scored three tries. Oh, sorry, yeah, they scored three tries. Oh, sorry, yeah, two tries with that um, in, in the sin bin. So they, they got the reward, and to their credit, they actually ended up um, doing what they needed to with that kind of period off. They also had Baylin Sullivan off in the first part of that uh, before the red card. So, but I did like it. Then you were able to bring um, someone else on, and it wasn't lose the spectacle of the game because I think you know in the past, you know, you look at that Lions series when Sunny got sent off. It completely changed how the All Blacks wanted to play, whereas I think for the Chiefs, you had to alter, and they probably didn't get it right on the weekend, giving away so much points. But, you know, when they were able to bring someone else on, um, it kind of brings back into the flow of the game. So, no, I think it was the right, it was definitely the right decision. And, you know, we've been taught as players, you know, anything to shoulder to the head, it's, it's seen as a red card. So, you know, Damo didn't do it on purpose at all. You know, McDermott's obviously a little bit shorter, uh, not, 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 not that much shorter than Damo, but. Um, he got it wrong, and, um, and unfortunately, that's the price you paid. And that was probably the losing of the game for the Chiefs, unfortunately. And But, yeah, I definitely think it was the right call. The other way to look at it, it was almost the winning of the game, the fact that they could have a 15th person come back on. Because if, the, if that game had gone under the old rules, they would have been down to 14 for the rest of the game, and that second-half comeback probably wouldn't have been on. So did they truly suffer for it when they had the chance to come back? Yeah, look... Our sport's in a, in a fight, a scrap, and, and it's, it's about a spectacle and it's about getting, giving people what they pay for and what they want to watch. And Bryn's alluded to how this conversation came about, and it's the, the, bledders, uh, the Lions test when Sonny and the, the fans spoke. Like, you know, we pay big money and these test matches are over in 10 minutes because of this decision. So World Rugby has come up with an idea which I think um, gives you sufficient punishment to the individual that makes the mistake to the team mm -hmm. and then gives the ability for the fans to still enjoy it. And I think yep. it was very effective in the sense that it was a great game to watch in terms of the Reds made them pay and it got to such a margin that it forced the Chiefs to chance their arm. And mm -hmm. it came off, but a lot of those... Um, tries could have gone the other way and, and it could have been forced errors and it could have been 60 to 10 but the skill set of the Chiefs was paid off, it wasn't just because that one man came back on so it made a big difference, you know, Trask had to go to 10, Shooter comes on at 15 and you know, Damien's off he's the main general so I, I, I like it, I like it we, we, we need to have a game that competes with the NRL um, you know, NFL, NBA, all these sports that are competing for the you know disposable income of fans, um, and and that's that's what it's there um, to make sure that people are punished on the field for for indiscretions and there's player safety, 
but also we're looking after the people that pay to come through the turnstiles to enjoy the fixture. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 